Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, hey, and welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today we did some Q&A live in the service, and I am joined by Mariah Cooper. Who hey, is, that's me. That's you. And uh, Mariah is, is our student ministry director, and she she focuses on uh, making sure that our students have quality small group experiences, among mm-hmm. a whole other litany of things. But Mariah, um, yeah, just for those of our folks that don't know you very well, um, what, what do you do here and, uh, how long have you been on staff? Brilliant. Yeah. I've been on staff for almost three years now and I get to hang out with all of the lovely sixth through 12th graders who attend our church and who don't attend our church. So got a lot of students yeah. who come around on Wednesday nights, who are in small groups, who come on Sunday mornings. Um, and we just have a blast together, but also we just get to teach them about Jesus, which is really the most exciting part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Amen our small that. groups are, small groups are super fun to get to, to get students involved in those things. So Plug, if you're not in a small group, adult or student, get, get in one. in a small group. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We really value small groups. We value we life in community where we can be praying for one another, mm-hmm. where we can be engaging in God's word together, and, and where we've been supporting each other through the hard things of life. And that's yeah. really what happens in a small group experience. So whether you're a teenager or you're an adult, we want you to be in a small group. Amen. Amen in that community. That. Well, um, so Mariah, Danielle, my wife, Danielle, at, was she did the live Q&A in the first service. You did it in the second I service. Did. And I made a joke about uh, my shoe collection. Yeah, I think we need to get to the bottom of this, Kyle. Apparently, there were a lot of questions have? that came in on my shoe collection. Is this an embarrassing question? Should we not be asking it? No. Do no, you see, polish your shoes? Uh, was that another question? That's another question. <laughs> yes, There's so many. Yes. we. Well, this polished. one just wants to know. What is it? What is it? Tell us about your shoe collection, Tell us Kyle. about my shoe collection. <laughs> so I, I think my shoe collection is, is reasonable, but I live with uh, a minimalist wife. Sure you do. Yeah. She's she, probably purging your shoes. She probably often. is. I just purged my, <laughs> I, I just got a new pair of shoes and out went an old pair of shoes. Amazing. Aren't you proud of me? That's what my mom, when I was a kid, she was like, you get a new thing, you get rid of an old yep. thing. I don't do that, but uh, I yep. should. <laughs> in, in with something, out with something is Danielle's motto. So, oh, so my, my shoe collection, I think I've got like 12 pairs of shoes. That's reasonable. Which feels reasonable. It feels like it's less than me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but then again, compared to my wife who has like three pairs of shoes. <gasps> Whoa, I know. I know. And she has less clothes than I do. She has less clothes than I do. Wow. In her, in her clothes collection. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I know. She is, uh, she is dedicated to minimalism. A hero. Um, and so. Well, you know, what we're dedicated to on this podcast, answering <laughs> questions from the sermon. <laughs> so you're that. welcome, and everybody Jesus. who's curious. And Jesus. So we, uh, so that's enough about my shoe collection. Let's, let's create a dialogue around the scriptures here. Yeah. We talked to Acts chapter nine this morning, verses one through 31, this dramatic conversion of the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And we, we, the main idea from this morning was that where the gospel is declared, it brings Mm, peace mm-hmm. because we saw it bring peace with Paul or Saul, Saul, Paul, Paul, Saul, same guy. Same guy. Um, we saw it bring peace in his relationship with God. We saw it bring peace with him in community. And then, and then Luke has this note, verse 31. Again, it's this, this, this all encompassing notion of peace that the church was at peace with each other and was living in such a way, such a peaceful way that it, it struck their contemporary audience, their, mm-hmm. their context as what are you guys doing? Because that's right, what we want. Right. right. It was a radically different uh, way of living than their context. And, and, and the church grew because of that. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah. And so, so we got a lot of questions in this morning. We got some good ones. Um, yeah. So why don't you go ahead, Mariah, why don't you kick us off here uh, and, yeah. and get, us, get us talking. Yeah. I think one of the things that I just saw as a common thread between all these questions was just like, our, what is our definition of peace? What, yeah. what are we understanding peace to be? Um, and we talked a little bit about during second service. Um, I wasn't there in first, so I don't know what we touched on. But yep. um, what what is the definition of biblical peace? And how is, this might feel like a similar question, but that yeah. idea of the difference between um, cultural peace and how we're pursuing that versus like pursuing biblical peace. Um, I know you talked about, co- what are what are your four things? Confidence? Yeah, so there are uh, yeah, four or five things here that we have. We have joy. We have confidence, we have perseverance, we have hope, and contentment? Um, and contentment. Yeah, and so so we're able to experience these these things, and it, it, again, it fleshes out a little bit of what peace is because you're right, peace can be very nebulous, and mm-hmm. when we say peace, we can mean all kinds of things. Right. Yeah, uh, when you think of wh- how culture talks about peace, what what comes mm-hmm. to your mind? So culture being not the church, right? Not Jesus culture but the world's culture. Mm-hmm. So when the world talks about peace, what, how would you define that, Mariah? Yeah, I think it was helpful during Second Service when you talked about um, just culture kind of pursuing this idea of peace as being happiness. Because mm-hmm. um, I really do think that we cling to that idea, that purpose in life a little bit. When you don't have Jesus and the gospel as your foundation for purpose, I think that idea that, that happiness is your ultimate pursuit in life yeah. is just such an attractive thing and feels very reachable. It feels yeah. very attainable. Like if I, I can be happy, I mean, that's, I can yeah. just m- facilitate my life or orchestrate my life in a way that, that, uh, achieves happiness. Um, but then I think we also have this desire in us for, for broader peace, right? We have this desire for world peace. Like you hear it in songs. We are talking about Christmas songs this morning. You always hear that in Christmas. Yeah. Songs. Yeah. Your gro- the grown up Christmas list is my least favorite Christmas song. And it's, it's that's in there <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Got, got off track. Um, but this idea that peace is something that we want just not for ourselves, but also for those around us, I think yeah. is a biblical thing. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. It is. Um, but if peace is just happiness, if peace is just finding content, like um, contentment is the word that we use, but just like uh, just like a regular everyday kind of happiness that's like, oh, today is fine and I'm happy it's with it. It's the fulfillment of my desires. Yeah, there you go. The fulfillment of your desirement. So it, desire, desires. But if that's, if that's all we're pursuing and if that's what we're looking for for other people, then then world, then wars and, and difficulty mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. those things are going to, are going to be so much more, um, like destructive and so yeah. much more like breaking down the entire, uh, what your life is built on. And so the idea that there's, that there could be suffering or that there could be pain or all of those yeah. things just completely destroys your worldview. Because yeah. if you are, um, just seeking happiness and, and temporary peace, um, and this this kind of like oh we'll just kind of put a band aid on things and make yeah. things happy right now, um, then anything that kind of puts a chink in that armor is going to just completely destroy the whole thing, yeah. um, which is yeah so not what the gospel is about and so yeah. not the there's so much depth and richness to biblical peace that doesn't exist in yeah. um, the everyday happiness that we're talking yeah. that the world talks about and I think I think what that's that's so good. That's so good of what you're saying there. I think as we think about when we use this nomenclature of peace, and mm. it's difficult because it can be so watered down, right. and so yes. nebulous within the pop cultural conversation. But what we experience with peace in the gospel, and that's what we really was trying to make clear this morning, is that when we, we really strive for true peace, real peace, mm-hmm. genuine peace, 
it is only, it's rooted and it's only realized in Jesus. Yes. Right. It's not that our highest efforts bring peace. Right. Which is so, such an important distinction. Or our best intentions bring peace. We know that that's not true. It is that the gospel brings peace Mm -hmm. Uh, because, because culturally when we, just what you said, it's when we, when we want peace culturally, ultimately what we're saying is we want our, the fulfillment of our desires that make us happy. Mm-hmm. And we want that for everybody. Yes, yeah. And so so often we're in a cultural moment where we are trying to take the boundaries off of morality, mm-hmm. the boundaries off of ethics. And if we just say, well, if we just take the boundaries off of these things, well, then everyone can fulfill their desires. And if everyone mm-hmm. can fulfill their desires, then we can be happy. And if we can be happy, we can be at peace. And yet that's just not true. Yeah, it's not the fullness of it. It's not the fullness of it. It's not even it's not even the the uh, toes dipped in the pool right, of yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because we are still rooting ourselves as the center of our own universe. Yeah. And and we have a we have a doctrine of sin. We, I mentioned it, I think in the first service at the Q&A time it's the big word for the doctrine of sin is harmodia harmart harmartiology. <laughs> I can never say Can't it. Can't even say it. It's too Har- big of a word. It's too we big just of a word. Harmartiology. Harmartiology. and it, it literally it's just it's the study of sin, the doctrine of sin. And what do we believe? What we believe Genesis chapter 3 says is that all men have fallen with Adam, right? We see the fall in Genesis chapter 3. We believe in Romans chapter 1 where Paul says that we have all been given over to a sinful nature nature three romans chapter 3 23 for the wages of sin are death right and apart mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. uh, we are all condemned to death but we need but god has loved us so much john three sixteen, that he has given us his son he sent his son to die for us so that we can be restored mm-hmm. into the fullness of life so so the the peace of the kingdom of heaven is not the fulfillment of our desires Right, the the five aspects that we gave in the sermon this morning were that of contentment, security, hope, perseverance, and joy, and and so if it's not the fulfillment of our desires, it is actually it is actually rooted in the life that we experience in Jesus, and so so even even on this side of heaven, I think this is the other thing that we have to realize, is that we live in the now and we yearn for the not yet mm-hmm. of the kingdom of heaven. Right, we live in the now where we are experiencing tastes. Yeah. of the kingdom of heaven to come. Mm-hmm. We experience joy. We experience peace. We experience hope. We experience all of these things in taste. Yep. And yet what Paul through said the Holy in, through the Holy Spirit, but what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, we see through a mirror dimly. Mm-hmm. And yet when perfection comes, we will see perfectly. Well, mm-hmm. Paul's acknowledging our current context, mm-hmm. right? We have tastes of the goodness of the life to come. And so that spurs us on to persevere. Right. But this is not, we are never going to realize utopia. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that's what the world yearns for. It scratches at. It wants us to experience utopia. Mm-hmm. But the only way, the only play in the playbook of the world is to fulfill its desires. And the gospel mm-hmm. calls us to die to our desires. Yeah. And so. Which is a big call. It's and, a big call. And I think this is where those questions about, like, why do good things, or why do bad things happen to good people? Yep. And why why is there brokenness in the world? Like, we see in Genesis that brokenness comes through the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we wrestle always with, yeah. like, why is there brokenness? Why is there suffering? And we can acknowledge that there is, yeah. um, which is what Paul does. He, he acknowledges that there, that there is suffering. And, I mean, even, even the Lord, when he's talking to Ananias, is saying that, like, Paul will will see suffering. Yeah. That will happen, um, and I think that as followers, we we wrestle with that because it's it's well, man. If we are with Christ and we yeah. are with His Spirit, um, and we are experiencing the fruits of His Spirit, why are we still also experiencing the fruits of brokenness? Yeah. Um. It's again, 
that's why I cling to that word hope yeah. because there is, there's so much hope in knowing that there, like eternity is literally forever. Eternity yeah. is on and on beyond yes. anything that we can imagine. Um, and if there's temporary surf- suffering now, um, for the promise of what is to come, yeah. then can I walk confidently in that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's such a, that can be so hard, especially, yeah. um, if you, are yeah new in following Jesus or or maybe are just trying to trust him more. Uh, yeah. I think there's so much of that that comes like, yeah over yeah. and over again. I, I think you're right, and, and and again, it's an important distinction. And it's what we tried to say in the sermon again this morning, and what we see in in Acts chapter nine so brilliantly is that peace does not come through our highest yes. efforts. Mm-hmm. It does not come through our greatest intentions. It only comes through Jesus because mm-hmm. as Isaiah said, he is a prince of peace, mm-hmm. right? And so because he is a sovereign king over the universe, he is the one that can restore the the, the historic Israelites to the people of Samaria mm-hmm. under this banner of faith in Christianity in the mm-hmm. church. They couldn't, they could not resolve those tensions. In fact, they're, 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 they devolved to the reality of we're just going to ignore them and exclude mm, them. Mm. And they were both guilty of that path, right? But it's under Jesus now that there's this restorative peace that's experienced, not in our highest efforts or our best intentions, through the Spirit of God, because we've been made to be at peace with God. Right. And so I think, again, that's, that's the world's play, and the only, the only, the only play in their playbook is my efforts, right, right, right. my, you know, and my efforts ultimately are rooted in, in the fulfillment of my desires. Mm-hmm. That's not peace. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's, that's fleeting happiness. Right. And, and I think as you are noting, the word, the reason that our world yearns for this, mm-hmm. and even sometimes why it feels so nebulous or, or watered down because everybody is going, yeah, we just, we just want peace and we're going to the Christmas season, <laughs> yeah. you know, hope, joy, love, peace. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we, we rattle these. just stop fighting. <laughs> if we just all get along, right? Yeah. Um, yet that's just not, that is not at the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so we have to be, we have to be careful of that. But, but I think the reason that we all scratch at this is because of who we're created in. And in fact, mm-hmm. there's this argument for God's existence called the moral argument. And it is that, um, that because we agree that there is moral good, there must be a moral agent, and if there is a moral mm. agent, then then more moral good is absolute, and and because there's moral good is absolute, and there's a moral agent, well, there 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 therefore is a God who instills morality, right? There's a yeah. sovereign something bigger than us that has established moral good, and I think because our culture yearns for moral good, mm. uh, and it, it yearns for comp- contentment and completion and peace. It points, it's a dramatic pointing to the one who is good, and that is Jesus, Yeah. right? And so, um, so yeah, so as Christians, that's why I think as we were trying to say, to boil this back down to not being nebulous, Yeah. how can we know that we're experiencing peace in Christ? Mm. It's not that we are lifted out of the suffering of this world. Right, right. That's which not- is important to yeah. say, which is, it's because it's hard. Yeah. It's a hard truth. So peace is, is, is something that we experience. We can experience peace in relationships, and we do that in community. But it is, it's ultimately we can start to put our fingers on contentment in situations that my neighbors aren't content. Right. Those who are not following Jesus are not content. Or those who, are, who aren't following Jesus look at me and go, how can you be content in this moment? Mm-hmm. You're facing the hardest situation of your life. Mm-hmm. How, are you, how are you content? How are you okay? 
how are you not just losing your mind? You know, how are you not raging against the machine here? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, how are you secure? Why are you secure? Why, yeah. why do you have this, you know, calm security about you? Why do you have hope? Why are you persevering? Why do you continue to follow mm-hmm. Jesus when life isn't going your way? And why do you have this sense of joy, which isn't mm-hmm. happiness? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very, op- deeper. It's, it's deeper than that. Um, well, it's, that's because we're experiencing the peace that comes through the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit in Jesus. And if we can put our finger on those things, I think we can go, oh, that's what peace looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah, and those yeah. things aren't ignoring the suffering. Like, the, like yeah. it's not like we're just turning a blind eye to all that is broken. No. We are looking at it yeah. straight in the face. Yeah. And we're saying, despite these things, I can yeah. still trust, mm-hmm. which I think is, I just, I, my personal opinion, I think it's just, that's what that's what the Christian walk is, is just trusting the Lord over and over mm-hmm. again. It is. And saying, it's, I'm well, going to look at the things that are painful and, and broken, and I'm going to continue to trust that Jesus yeah. is who he says he is. Yeah. Um, but I think we've been talking about a lot of these things, um, this idea of what peace looks like. But when we actually walk in our everyday life, we're encountering people who know Jesus and people yeah. who don't know Jesus. Yeah. That just happens. You go to work, you you walk around your neighborhood, you hang out with your friends, yep. whatever that may be, whatever your spheres are, you're encountering people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus. Yes. Um, so I guess in both of those spheres, what does it look like to be pursuing peace with people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus. Cause I think we talk, we talk a little bit more maybe about community with fellow believers or maybe with non-believers. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but in the context of community with these, with people um, who know Jesus and who don't know Jesus, what does it look like for us to be pursuing peace together yeah. um, f- in the name of Jesus? And then also with people who may have a very different view of what peace looks like. Yeah. That's a really good question. I think let's start with in the community of believers. Brilliant. Because because again, when we read the letter of First John, he says love is a defining attribute of mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. He is not saying John is not saying that love will be experienced between believers and non-believers, right? He is saying that that you are to love your brother, you are to love your brother in Christ because you have this bond of Jesus, right? You are united in Jesus. And so because of that, you're to love them. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, you don't love your neighbor as well. It's the great commandment, but, but there's something here that's right, deeper right. with your bond with your brother and sister in Christ. And again, what Luke is telling us here, 931, it's the, within the church, the body of Christ, they had yeah. peace. It's mm-hmm. not that the church was at peace with the world. Mm-hmm. That is not true of the first century. <laughs> that is not remotely true. I joked in the first service about if we had Miss Frizzle's bus and we oh, could go man. back in time, right? Um, what we would see in the first century would make our our current moment, turbulent moment, look so calm. That's helpful, actually, to know. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you. Right. And so if we, it would make it look so calm. Mm. Um, and, and so, in fact, the church is going to be antagonized for 300 years by the mm. culture and context until constant until Constantine becomes emperor and in 313 or at 3 I think it's 313 right around 313 it's the edict of Milan and he he makes Christianity the legal nation uh, religion of, of Rome of the Roman Empire so and when they say like oh the church experienced peace in those days it's not just like everyone stopped persecuting them no okay. no 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 that's helpful yep um, because we've got we've got the Emperor Nero who's about to come on, mm-hmm. on power we've got Diocletian who's about to come into power and they are going to be awful against so the what church. does that actually mean then that they enjoyed a time of peace if they're also still in the midst of all this, I think that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. This idea that they're they're fellowshipping with one another mm-hmm. and they're experiencing a time of peace, despite the fact that like the people who were persecuting them alongside Saul are probably yeah. still doing that, and yeah. there's still all these pressures and this persecution yeah. that's happening. Well, I think I think there's two notes here. One is the surface note. 
the guy that was rampantly persecuting them is not persecuting them anymore, <laughs> right? So there's the on the surface note, mm-hmm. but then there's the below the waterline note. And the below the waterline note is the, is the geographical note where, where Luke has been listing the church is in Damascus, mm-hmm. the church is in Jerusalem, the church is in Judea, and the mm-hmm. church is in Samaria. Mm-hmm. These are historically divided people that have experienced peace in Christ. Mm. And so, so there's the, the uh, on the surface note, Paul's not oppressing the church anymore. <laughs> so they've experienced peace that way. That's helpful. And then there's a below the waterline that these people who have never been united before are now united under the banner of Jesus. Mm. And they are working for each other's mutual good and, and building each other up. And so I think in the body of Christ, how do we experience peace? It is giving our brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. Mm. I think we throw around the heretic word way too much <laughs> and way too quickly mm. where we think, oh, no, you just have a different position on baptism mm. or or maybe you voted differently political than me. Yeah. And, and we go, this is where we need long conversations. What is, what's been your experience growing yeah. up? Why, you know, what are our, you and I might have the same root intention yeah. that we want to see Express our neighbors flourish and we want to see the good of our neighbors, mm-hmm. but we see different political solutions. Mm. Again, we have to come with a healthy dose of humility. We live in the now and the not yet. Broken yeah. people make broken systems. Yeah. And so no human system is yeah, going to fully really answer no, it, right? Yeah. So answer. in the body of Christ, our world is drawing hard party lines. Mm-hmm. You're either with me or you're against me, but can we model gracious conversation in the body yeah. of Christ? In that way, we're modeling peace. Why do we have peace? Because we've been reconciled to yeah. God, right? When we were opposed mm-hmm. to him, he's reconciled us. So I think in the body of Christ, it's 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 giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's being generous in, it, with our presence and not removing ourselves because mm-hmm. of party lines or, or tribalism, those kind of things. It, it's being willing to get to the bottom of it. And even being willing to go, I disagree with you, yeah. but we are united in fellowship in because Jesus. Because God is big. Because God is big. God is big. And by the way, our political opinions in this country are not the political opinions of Christians in other countries. In other countries. Right? <laughs> so I think the yeah. more you become, a, 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 as, Paul, as Kip likes to say, world Christian, you see the, the, the scope of the global church and you go, okay, maybe I can dial those things back yeah. a little bit. Right. So we live at peace in that way within the body of Christ. And as we do that, we model for the world a better existence, mm. the thing that they're really yearning for. Um, how do we live at peace with our neighbors? Yep. I think uh, we live at peace with our neighbors by by willing to be present to them, mm. by willing to enter their mess with them mm-hmm. so that we can get to the gospel. Because mm. um, we probably don't start off with no. in the same way. No, I don't no. think we start off because we don't have the same starting point. Right. Yeah. In the church, our starting point is our fellowship in Jesus. Right. In the world, our starting point with our lost neighbors and friends, our starting point is that we are both human beings created in the image of God yeah. that God desperately wants to redeem. Mm. And so um, so how do I live at peace with someone? It's probably not making, making uh, it, it's going out of my way to avoid division mm. so that I can engage in a personal relationship. Mm. Again, we may disagree right. on all kinds of things. Yeah. But am I going out of my way to make sure that I can maintain a positive relationship with right. this person? That those aren't the dividing lines. Yeah. Do, the, do I want to be known for Jesus or do I want to mm. be known for something else? When it comes to our lost friends and neighbors, we should be known for right. Jesus above everything mm, that's else. Good. Yeah. And so um, how do we live at peace in that way? I think that's where it starts. And, and when that relationship grows, that we can speak truth into it, we we speak truth into it and mm, we trust mm-hmm. God to move in big ways right. there, but we don't shy away from truth. Yeah. Um, so, and, and again, I think we had this question in the first, in the first <laughs> hour about, about basically came down to how do we interact with, with uh, government and, mm. and all of those kind mm. of things. 
and again, I think we take our, our rights to vote very seriously, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We go and we, we've been given this right to vote. We need to go vote. We need to go position ourselves to advocate for uh, the flourishing of our neighbors. We're going to see some policies in different light. Um, we should resist policies that are broken <laughs> that we mm-hmm. can all see that and say, acknowledge that hey, are, look, yeah. that's not helpful. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, we should resist those things as the church. But I think if we've been blessed in this moment, in this context, to be engaged politically, Mm -hmm. but we should also resist political power, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus resisted it. Um, And so we shouldn't make those things, which are so common right now in our context, Mm -hmm. in our culture, to make those the primary things. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't make those things primary with our lost friends and neighbors. Um, We should be, we should really be known for Jesus. Um, Which is very countercultural because it's very Mm -hmm. attractive to make those things the primary. But to say, well... Those things matter, but they are not the thing that matter most. Yeah. And they are not the thing that matter even close to the most. No, because <laughs> no system that we put in place is ever going to lead us to utopia. The only thing, again, is our doctrine of eschatology is that uh, the only one that will restore us to life is Jesus. Yeah. And the only time that this world will be back at complete peace is once Jesus has come back yeah. and he has had that final victory over all evil. Yeah. And, and that doesn't happen right until Revelation chapter 21. You know, so we believe that it's going to happen. Yep, we're ready for the day. <laughs> so we live in the now. Yep. Where we have tastes of the kingdom, but we yearn for the not yet of Revelation yeah. 21 uh, that will be one day. Yeah. Right. But we have to have that sense of humility in everything yeah. that we do in this world. Yeah. That. So, well, Mariah Cooper, hey, we did it. thanks for... We did not run out of fodder to talk on today. No, I think we could have kept going. There's a ton. Yeah. I've got some more questions. you got some more questions. <laughs> and there's a lot of good questions, again, about, uh, I know we probably didn't answer every specific question, but I think like you said, there's a lot of, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? And yeah. what is peace? Mm-hmm. Um, because it becomes so very nebulous. And so, um, so again, it's why we wanted to say this. Peace is only realized and rooted in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that when the gospel, the gospel is declared, it brings peace. Amen. Uh, it's not through our highest efforts or our best intentions. It is through Jesus himself. Amen. And even on this side of heaven, we're going to experience brokenness that will not be will not be fixed here and now. But we believe in a God who, at the very end, he will yeah. have victory over every broken thing that has ever existed. He will have justice Praise over God. it. It's this beautiful Greek word, dikaiosoine, that, that Paul Ooh. uses. And it means the justice and righteousness go together. When God has justice, he also has righteousness. And when God has righteousness, he also has justice. And he is the one that will bring those two things together in the end for all things. So I'm excited for that. Can't wait for that. (laughs) Come, Lord Jesus. Come on back. We can't wait. (laughs) Well, hey, thanks for joining us here on Beyond the Sermon Podcast as we try to create a dialogue around the scriptures. Loved doing that today in the service and here with you uh, after the service. We will see you next week. Adios. Adios.